certainly is a pleasure to see everyone here this morning and ask if you would get your Bibles and turn to Psalm 111. Psalm 111. We're going to uh, read a few verses from there and, and uh, get our lesson from there this morning. We're wanting to talk about the works of the Lord are great. And uh, we were discussing this morning in, in Hebrews about God's, you know, entering God's rest. And we're looking forward to that. But we also, you know, are living in this world and we need to understand what's around us and, and the works that God has created for us. And are we looking at that understanding that he is our creator? He is the one that we are to be worshiping. He is the one that we want to be with and understand that, that all the things around us are, are his and understand that his works are great. And if we look in Psalm 111, we'll start in verse 1 <clears throat> that says, Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation, the works of the Lord are great. Studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his works, his wonderful works, to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He has declared to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are verity and justice. All his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding um, have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. And so here we have, uh, you know, a psalm of David here that it's talking about the wondrous works of God. And if we look in verse 2 of that, it says, The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. Studied by all who have pleasure in them. And so in this lesson today, we want to, we want to talk about these great works and look at some of the other works that God has created uh, for us, starting with, first and foremost, his creation. What about his creation? God created the heavens and the earth. We wouldn't be here without this creation. We've got to be thankful for that. Genesis 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God is that creator. We all know that, but we need to remember that. We have uh, people that f forget God, and they think other things, and they forget that God is our creator. They declare this heavens and this earth the glory and handiwork of God, his power and his deity. If we look back in Psalm 19 and in verse 1, Psalm 19 and in verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day, under, day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. We, uh, that, sorry, that was Romans 1 and in verse 20, talking about for since the creation of the world is invisible, attributes are clearly seen. We, we can't deny 
God because he is all around us. His, his attributes, his works are clearly seen. We, we see the things that he has created. Uh, and by doing so, we can, we can see and understand without excuse that God is our creator. He is our one that we are to be worshiping. He is uh, great. And so that means that we've got to continually study looking to God, because as man, we tend to forget things, as, as we pointed out in, in our Bible lesson. We tend to forget stuff. Psalm 8 and verse 3 says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? So when we are looking at the starry sky, the sun in the sky, the moon, the clouds, the trees, everything around us, even a single flower for that matter. Do we understand who did this? God did this for us. And we need to be understanding that. Like David, we need to contemplate upon this. Look at all these wonderful things that God created for us to show who he is, the power that he has, the, the care he has for us. We need to continually think about that because studying God's creation can be enlightening. It can be full of pleasure. We can see all the things around us, as I say. But, but we've got to understand that that is what God did for us. God did that for us. Another one of his great works is his word, and that's what we are to study on a daily basis. Just as we again talked about this morning, David in Psalm 19 and in verse 7 he prays the value of God's word. Do we praise the value of God's word? Do we look at his word and understand that it is God's word for us? He's speaking to us. Psalm 19 and verse 7, we have a song related to this. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. So when we look back and see how... You know, David praised the value of God's word. Do we look at that? Do we look at his word and understand that the testimony of the Lord is sure? The things that he says is what he means? Do we look at the statutes of the Lord that are, you know, as right? The commandments of the Lord that they are pure, they enlightening, they enlighten our eyes. Do we do that? I don't know that a lot in this world do. Do they fear the Lord? Do they have that? Understanding that I need to be doing these things for God. God is my creator. And do we desire them? We desire all kinds of nice and wonderful things. And then here it's talking about, you know, the precious gold, precious jewels, if you will, the precious stones that we see in this world. We, we jump to those. But it's, it's, it's more desired or should be more uh, desired than gold. It's sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. And we understand then in the end that, that if we keep this word, there's going to be a great reward. Again, referring back this morning 
uh, in our Bible study of Hebrews chapter 4 that we are looking for God's rest, that eternal rest with him. And that means that we need to be looking at his word because it is great. It is our guide. And, you know, David was praising the value of God's word in the Old Testament. Well, think about even, you know, more so now that we have the living, giving words of Jesus. Jesus, the Savior, came to this earth, and he spoke. John 6 and in verse 63, John 6 and in verse 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Christ, his words give us life. 1 Peter 2 and in verse 23 1 Peter 2 and in verse 23 says, Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes uh, you were healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I mean, when we look at that, we have the perfect example of Christ living on this earth as man, and he lived it sinlessly. And what did he do? He committed himself to him who judges righteously. We're pretty good about, you know, getting revenge on someone if someone does us wrong. Man is, is, is one that, you know, if, I'm gonna, if you're going to slap me, I'm going to slap you back hard. But when we look at this, we are to give ourselves to God live the way that God wants us to live because he is the one who judges righteously. He is the one that's going to uh, be our guide if we live for him properly. And so that means we've got to, as we uh, do his creation, study those words. Study what they have to say. Understand what it has for us to do. We have lots of people in this world that read the Bible, and I'll put that in quotes because reading and, and studying are two different things reading for enjoyment or read the words and put them in your heart and study them. Live by them because there are some things in here that will step on your toes because we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And if we see in there that God says, you know, this is not how you're supposed to be living. If you're doing these things that are wrong, whatever it may be in our lives, we have got to not harden our hearts but change our heart, change our attitude. And we need to study that. We need to do that to be that truly blessed uh, man. Psalm 1 and in verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the river of waters that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. And so we're going to meditate on this word. We're going to think about it on a regular basis. We're going to say in our everyday lives, what would, you know, what would God want us to do? Am I doing the things that God expects me to do? Am I following his word? And if it's not, we need to step back and think about it. And to do so, how are we going to study this word? We've got to read it. We've got to read that which provides comfort, hope, and guidance. As it tells us in Romans 15 and in verse 4, it says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning. So if we can't read about it, we're not going to learn from it. We've got to read it. 
that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. So we want to have that hope. We want to look at these words and understand it. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, we all have heard this in many, many different sermons, but 2 Timothy 3, 16 tells us about this scripture, this word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so when it talks about you know profitable for doctrine, it is the doctrine that we are to follow. We're not to be following some other doctrine of man. This is the doctrine, God's doctrine. We are to understand that it's going to uh, correct us. It's going to kind of slap our wrist if we're stepping out of, of line. And I know that we, you know, as, as kids, we didn't like to be corrected, but sometimes it takes place. And there's a reason for these corrections that we as parents do, and just as God is, is for us, is because he wants us, he knows the direction that we need to, we need to be going. He knows how we should be living our lives. He told us how to live our lives. And when we step out of line, we've got to be corrected. And we've got to be willing to accept that and make the change because it's instruction in righteousness, and that makes us complete. And so it's, it's one of those things that it, it's, it's simple, but it's difficult to follow in this world. And so we need to be studying the Word of God. Studying God's Word is a source of comfort. It's a source of great pleasure. And when we start studying the word and reading what it has to say and putting it in our everyday lives, we understand then his salvation. That's another one of his great works, is the salvation that he provides for us. The works of the Lord are great in his salvation. You know, salvation of mankind was made possible by God's love. Man did not make that salvation. We can't do that. It was God from the beginning set it forth as it should be in his eyes. You know, the salvation of mankind is made possible through God's love, as it tells us in John 1 and verse 29. You know, it, it talks about this love. John 1 and verse 29 says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So, you know, Christ loved us so much that he died for us. God loved us so much that he sent his Son to die for us. He loves us that much. And... I know, again, uh, using the, the parent-child relationship, there's not much that I wouldn't do for my kids to keep them from getting harmed. It would be, be a horrible thing. I don't know what would stop me. And I know that God, he was willing to send his son to die on this earth. Would you know, Send his own child. Would you send your own child in to die for the sins of men? It takes, it takes that much love. In John 3, 16, we all are aware of, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then over in 1 John, 1 John chapter 4 and in verse 9, it says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So it's through his son that we have this. And it was talked about from the beginning. They were looking toward, forward for that Savior, which was Jesus Christ. They may not have noticed it at the time. They did not realize it, but we know about it. 
We've got the word in front of us to know that. <clears throat> so the works of you know, his salvation, you know, saved by grace, through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the spirit, it's through God's grace that allows this to happen. Titus 3 and verse 4 says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So it doesn't matter what we do, we couldn't get this freedom from sin. We couldn't wash away that sin for what we have done. God had to set those things in motion. It's through his grace that he allows it to happen. He tells us what we need to do. There is a work that we have to do, but short of his grace, all the works in the world would not have, have uh, done it. We wouldn't do it without his grace for us. And so that means we've got to continually study. Just as we study the word, we can study on this. We can look at it, understand it more with aids, uh, you know, with the aid of passages like Romans chapter 6. And in verse 3, it says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So there is baptism that is required, whether people want to believe it or not. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death buried under the water and raised into the likeness. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. When we bury, get our, bury ourselves in that watery grave and are raised up again in the likeness, in the newness, of, uh, we are washing away those old sins. And that expectation then is that we are going to continue living for Christ. It's not to say that we're not going to mess up, because we do. But the understanding is, is that we are going to continually strive to live for Christ, live for God, do the things that he says, straighten our lives back up when we do stray. And accept the corrections that the word tells us. And it doesn't matter if it comes from us reading directly from the word or someone saying, um, you know, I don't want to have to tell you this, but have you understood what the word says because of your daily life? I've noticed some things. I'm not telling you the word of God. You know, there's, there's a way to correct someone one-on-one. -on -one by using the word of God. It's not what we say, it's what the word of God says. And if we're willing to accept that, then we are on the right track because we're willing to change our ways, change our mind based upon the word of God. And that means that we're going to reflect on the consequence of such truths. We're going to reflect back on these truths and understand that this is the way that we need to be living our lives. It is what we need to be doing. Romans 8 and verse 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? Is God, uh, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not with him also freely give us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a change against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also uh, risen 
Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we need to be looking at God's uh, salvation. It gives us great comfort, gives great comfort to our souls when we know that his salvation is there for us. And then we have God's work concerning his church. We are his church. You know, the church built by his son. It was purchased with his own blood. Matthew 16 and verse 18 says, And I say, also say to you that uh, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And then Acts 20 and verse 28 says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. You know, this church is God's kingdom. You know, we are part of that kingdom if we are in his church. And that means that we've got to study it. We've got to understand that it's, it's through him that we can understand what the church can do for us. And I'm talking about, you know, the body of Christ. Not the building, but the body. So people think of church, they think of a building, but we're thinking of the body of Christ and what it is doing. We are in his body. We are living the life that he expects us to, to live. And we can do that with the aid of, of studying the word of God, looking at Acts, looking at Ephesians, looking at Colossians, looking at the foundation of his church and what it was to be doing, how we were supposed to be doing things, meeting upon you know, every Lord's day, doing the things that all the acts that are required uh, within a service. And then, of course, as the body of Christ, how we are supposed to live every day of our lives outside of this building, if you will. And for studying God's church, you know, it's revealed by the New Testament, it can be a refreshing experience if we live it the way that the Bible prescribes. We see a lot of people living their life the way that they expect their church to be and the way that their church does things. And if it's not prescribed as you know, not as the prescription, I guess you could say that's what we find in the Bible. Then it's it's a a false prescription, and it's going to do us harm. That's why the doctor gives us prescriptions for medicine. What may be good for you in dosage may not be good for me. But God gives the prescription to us for how His church should be, and if we're not following that prescription, it is going to cause death in the end. And do we want that? Are we studying to find out? how we are living. Are we part of his church? Are we part of his promises? We can look forward to the resurrection of the dead. You know, we don't need to be marveling at this, as John 5 and verse 28 says, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth uh, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of, the condemna of condemnation. So God keeps his promises. He tells us what he expects us to do. And we're going to either live the life he expects us to live so that we can have that home in heaven with him, or we're not going to live the life he expects us to live. And we're going to 
uh, be part of that condemnation. Because we, we got to understand that what life are we going to give to Christ? Because he's going to only accept a certain certain life. Past that, we're, we're not going to be living for that. We can't, if we're not living what the word of God says, we can't look forward to that new heavens and that new earth. We may think we can, but we're not going to inherit it. Isaiah 65 and verse 17 says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing, and her people a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the cry, voice of crying. That's the type of heaven and earth, uh, you know, the new heaven and new earth that we can look forward to if we're living the life that we are expected to live. Because we will be judged in that day. We will be the ones giving an account for our lives because he keeps his promises. He keeps his uh, word, and it's not going to change. God does not change. And that means that we've got to study these words. We've got to study and understand that, yes, God does keep his promises. You know, we may be pondering on how God will raise the dead, you know, as it tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 and, and 35. We, we start picking and choosing on things of, that we miss the point. We start focusing on the small thing. We miss the whole uh, deal. And people start saying, well, I don't understand this resurrection thing. Well, we don't necessarily have to understand everything. All we got to do is understand that God expects us to live this certain way and follow it. It doesn't matter how it all takes place in the end. God will take care of that. We just need to do as it says. But 1 Corinthians 15 and in verse 35 tells us, But someone will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is, an, is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption and is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And was the man, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. So we have this, you know, description as to what we are going to be like. We don't know what it's going to necessarily be, but we know there's going to be a change. And it's a change that we need to understand that, that God will make that change. And so we want to look forward, though, to that new heaven and that new earth because we want to look forward to that promise 
because he knows he will keep his promise. First, excuse me, Second Peter 3 and verse 13, it says, as we read, uh, as we'll read here, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. And that means that we need to be reflecting on the great and precious promises. You know, 2 Peter 1 and verse 4 says, By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is uh, in the world through lust. And so we need to understand that we need to be looking to heaven. We need to understand that God is our creator. He is the one that put us here. He is the one that, that says, this is how I expect you to live. If you want to enter into that rest with me, I created you. Here are things around me to show you that I am he who created you. It's not someone else. I am the God, the creator. I have written, had the words written down for you of the things that you need to be doing. You've got to be willing to expect or uh, accept these words in your heart live the life that's expected understand that I will keep my promises the things that I say in this book will come to to play come to to fruition will happen and that you can't say well I'm one I don't believe that because that's not the way it works we got to understand that and to do so as we come together every lord's day we read the bible on a regular basis we encourage one another when we are here. We edify one another because the world is not a nice place to live in when it comes to trying to get to that spiritual home, that eternal home in heaven. And so we need to you know, consider these great works of the Lord. Like I said, his creation, his word, the salvation that he provides for us, the church that we have here, his body that we can be a part of, and, of course, his promise. And so we've got to continually do so. We need to reflect on the beauty and design of God's creation. We've got to read and meditate on God's word every day of our lives. And then reading and meditating is one thing, but we've got to obey it. Obeying the word is very important. We can read a lot of things, but if we're not obeying the word of God, we're not going to be following it. And then we enter into life, enter into service through becoming a Christian, coming forward and you know, bearing ourselves in baptism and then living that life with him, uh, in him for the, all the days of our lives. And so if there's anyone here that needs the help of the congregation, that feels that they need to uh, you know, change their life, that's why we're here. We're here to help you in any way that we can. And if there's anything that we can do, come forward as we stand and sing.